This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 158 with guest Jen Sincero. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so incredibly grateful that you are here. Today, we have Jensen Chero. She is back on the podcast. This is her second appearance here on the show. And for those of you that missed her last episode, that link will be in the show notes. Last time we talked about her first book, which was called You Are a Badass. And this one that just came out, it's been a couple of months now, is called You Are a Badass at Making Money. And if you don't know anything about it, it is all about up-leveling your mindset around money and about wealth. And I love this conversation. One of the my favorite parts of the talk that we have that you're about to hear is that we specifically talk about what the wealth mindset looks like specifically for women. And speaking of up-leveling, I want to take a minute to let you know about one of our beloved sponsors, Seth Godin and his Alt-MBA program. Four times a year, the Alt-MBA program brings together over 100 leaders, people from different industries and areas of expertise. The end result, you're surrounded by other leaders who are moving to the top of their respective fields and helping to support each other become stronger cross-functional change agents. Every week, you're meeting new people from the group. You're getting and giving feedback and seeing your blind spots in a whole new way. The Alt-MBA program is not about passive learning. It's about actively putting those concepts into practice until they become habit. The idea is to drink from the fire hose and rewire your brain to make new, better habits and have the platform to practice them. Over a thousand alumni have been through the Alt-MBA program and they include a mix of leaders, including product managers, lawyers, marketing directors, engineers, filmmakers, and more. There are no lectures, no videos. It's rolling up your sleeves and working in groups with people who are equally in it to win it. While most online courses have been barely a 7% completion rate. The Alt-MBA has an astonishing 96% completion rate. I highly recommend you go check out this program if you are in any kind of leadership position. They are now accepting applications. To find out more, visit altmba.com forward slash your kickass life. And please, please, please tell them I sent you. Okay, so normally at this point, I read the fancy bio of my guest that's coming on, but I'm just going to summarize it for for you guys. If you want to read her full bio, it's in the show notes, and it's really funny, so I encourage you to go over there and read it. But in a nutshell, if you don't know who Jen is, her book, You Are a Badass, came out in 2013, and it's sold over a million copies. It's been translated into 20 languages. She has been featured on Oprah, CNN, Forbes. She's a success coach, entrepreneur, author, best-selling author, I should say, and she's here on the podcast again. So I'm really happy for you to hear this message. And without further ado, here is Jen. Hey, Jen. Thanks for being here again. Thanks so much for having me on. It's good to talk to you again. All right. I've already told everyone about you. This is your second time on the podcast. If they don't know you already, shame on them. (laughs) (laughs) But this is your 
second book and I, I was just telling you before we started recording, I've listened to it twice on audiobook and I'm, I'm going to get a hard copy too. And let me just jump right in because one of the things I love about this book is that it's clear that you walk your talk. So can you tell us what was the breaking point for you where you decided enough is enough and I got to get my money shit together? What happened? You know, it wasn't one thing like I got evicted or dumped for being such a financial loser. It wasn't that big thunderbolt that sometimes does happen to people. I just, I really just, it was kind of, it's the way an aha moment works. You know, you hear something over and over and over and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I get it. Don't worry. Be happy. You know? And so I really just heard myself say, I can't afford it one too many times. And was like, bitch, you in your 40s. This is not okay. And that was it. I just sort of woke up and really set an intention and made a decision and went for it. Wow. Yeah. And I think I I do think that the way I describe it is I think that everybody has a certain pain tolerance, like an emotional pain tolerance, a physical pain tolerance. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing. Like you can tolerate your own excuses and your own bullshit stories. Some people tolerate them for their entire lives. We all know those people. And then other people are like, you just hear yourself saying that same story one too many times. And you're like, I am so sick of hearing myself say this. Mm -hmm. I'm out. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And so you also talk about how language matters and you tell that hilarious story about your mom mixing the word up twit and twat at a town council meeting. You guys have to read the book to hear it. I was laughing out loud, just imagining <laughs> your mom. And so when we talk about the point of the story is like, when we talk about money from a place of lack, we will get more bills, more stress about money and have less money. So can you talk about the language and like maybe give a couple of examples of the most common words that people use when they're talking about money? Well, they're really sneaky, which is interesting. You know, the word I want is so amazing to me because we, we use it all the time, but want literally means I am lacking in, I want for more money, right? So, I found that one the most interesting because yep. I, in another money lesson, this person said, make a list of all the things that you want. So I did, I made a list of it. And then when I read your book, I went back and changed the language around that same list. And it's interesting because it's a weak word when you think about it. I want, I want a boyfriend. I want, I want more money. I want a car. It's almost whiny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as opposed to I'm getting a car. Uh I have a boyfriend. I love my life. Like you realize how passive we speak when we're not serious. And you know, believe me, I'm guilty of saying I want all the time. It's just, it's such a natural thing. But when you wake up and you, and you start to be more conscious of your language and your choices in general, the littlest changes make the biggest difference. And that's the thing that I found with changing your life in general, right? Like I know you know this, just we think it's going to be so hard and it's this huge overhaul and everything's going to take forever and be really hard and we're going to be exhausted. And it's like, actually, it's a lot of little changes that aren't that hard, which was sort of the big cosmic joke on me for 40 plus years, you know, staying broke because I thought it was going to be impossible and hard. And it really wasn't. It was these little changes. So I want you know, obviously I can't, I wish these sort of passive, non-helpful words are the ones to look out. Yeah. And it was interesting when I recreated my list because it was easy for me to come up with a list of, 
a bunch of things that I want. And I was, I cracked myself up because I have these things like I want to go to Australia by this, you know, time with my husband and et cetera, et cetera. And then on the list, I forgot and I wrote this down. I said, I want all new towels. Because <laughs> I am 42 and I have none of my towels match. Some of them are from like wedding registry from my first marriage. We didn't use them together, but I have all these mismatched towels and I make up. I'm like, if you're a real grown up, you have matching towels. So mm-hmm. just a side note of one thing that I want, but I, when I redid the list and used different words, like you suggest in the book, like I will create, or I have, it really caused me to like, kind of sit up straighter and think to myself, oh, okay, well, what do, what do I need to do to create this? And it wasn't strategy. It wasn't, you know, what money do I need to, how am I going to make this money? Cause I know that could totally royally screw us up, but it's, it really became questions like what stories do I need to let go of in order to create, actually create that for myself? Well, the interesting thing is when you say I have matching towels and you say, I have matching towels and I have matching and you still don't, it makes you stand in the energy of having what you desire already. And that's why, even though you sound like a little crazy, mm-hmm. you're being, you're acting as if already. And that's, you know, and then you're in that energetic and then you act as if, and then that's how you create. So that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> I really probably could just go to JCPenney's and, or buy. you could just go to JCPenney's, but you know. <laughs> even Target has nice towels, the Nate Burkus line. Right. <laughs> it's just Jay-Z one of those things. I'm like, oh, towels. they're fine. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> even though they don't match. So I've been, if anyone's a longtime listener to my podcast, I've been sort of working on this for many months now. It's been, I think like a year and a half. I went to this workshop, family constellation therapy and uncovered a story. And I thought that I had uncovered them all. And, and by if you're listening and you don't know what that means, money stories are things that we have made up in our mind, how we feel about money that are usually unconscious to us, right? Like things that have been created like from our family of origin. Am I explaining that well? Yes, totally. Okay. So one, again, I thought that I had uncovered them all is one that I uncovered. Your exercise was write down things that you remember your parents saying about money. And I kept looking for memories of them saying bad things about rich people or bad things about money, which they never, ever did. Instead, my mom, she would, and and the reason I told the story, you guys, is because it's like these little nuanced things that we don't even really think make an impact on us, but they do a lot. So my mom, I found when I was little, I found a pair of cufflinks and I asked her what they were. Like, what are these? And she told me, oh, those are, those were your dad's when he was married to his wife before he married my mom. And she said, that's back when he was fancy. And she like winked at me. And so I grew up thinking that people who want, and we grew up, I mean, I was fine. We were fine. We had a nice loving family who went to the Grand Canyon every summer. Like it was fine. But I grew up thinking that people who wanted nicer things like cufflinks and, and monogrammed pillowcases, like they were not like us. And they, Mm. it wasn't that she said bad things about them or said they were awful, but there was definitely a disconnect. Like they're Mm. over there and we are not like them. And we have a perfectly fine life making enough money. You don't need to want anymore. So that was the story that was inadvertently given to me and definitely the one that I stood in and believed. So I know that in the book, you stress the importance of continuing to dig around in your subconscious to find those beliefs, correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because like you, like you didn't realize it until you looked for it. And then you're like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't even realize I was carrying that around. So that's why doing this work and reading books like mine and the other books out there is really is about waking up and becoming conscious is the, the biggest first step to take. Yeah, I think that for a lot of people probably have different experiences of their parents saying things about money that are are more obvious. But for me, it was about continuing to ask myself the question because I knew that I had discomfort. And even when in the book, you use the word rich and in other books that I've, I've read, they use the word wealth. And for Mm -hmm. some reason I can get on board with that. But Mm -hmm. when you say rich, I I almost like my toes kind of curl and I'm like, Oh my God, like that's not me. So I had to work through that as well. So all these really interesting things about, and money is just, God, it's a loaded topic, isn't it? Hello. I know. I mean, it was so funny when I was writing this book, I've written books on gay sex and the money book is more loaded (laughs) than that. You know, I feel like I'm in, it's way more controversial. It's, I'm putting myself up there to be yelled at a lot more. And, and it's exciting because it's like, why guys? And one of the things that really, I've really been questioning is our general viewpoint on money. And, you know, in our conscious minds, we're like, yeah, bring it on. I'd love to be rich. I, you know, give me lots of money all day long. But we, you know, money is the root of all evil is this sort of understanding that we all have, you know, people do horrible, unthinkable things for money and they do. Mm-hmm. And we focus on that, but every day, the you know, majority of people listening to this podcast, we see evidence in our own lives every day of the wonderful, magnificent things that money does for us. So it's like, we're, you know, hopefully we have shelter. We can pay to listen to this podcast and have a computer and download it and whatever. We eat food. We buy a cup of coffee in the morning. Every day we have evidence of all the really wonderful things that money does, but yet we choose to focus on the horrors that, and by the way, it's not money that's bringing all this horror into the world. It's greed. So let's be clear about that. But, but we, I just think it's interesting that even though every day we have evidence of, of money's beautiful goodness, and we tend to focus on the awful part of it. True. And another thing that I was thinking of when you said, you know, how much people, how much we shit talk money, like poor money, you know, like, Yeah. uh, Another thing is like never, never lend money to your family, never mix, you know, money and friends and business and, and, you know, it's all going to fall apart. And there are drama. That's what we, we love to hear about and tell stories about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about that in the beginning of the book. It's just as loaded as sex, but I wonder if even, even more so. And do you, have you found that in your travels and interviews and research, have you found that the majority of my audience is women? And I wonder, do you feel like the money stuff is gender specific? Because I, I totally get that like both men and women have money stuff. But do you think that it looks different between men and women? Definitely. I think, you know, men definitely have their own road to toe. Road to Oh, is that the right? Anyway. But women, because we, and again, this is subconscious, we can be like, I'm a badass woman. I don't take shit from anybody, blah, blah, blah. Misogyny is so deep. And we all have got some because we live in a patriarchal society. 
And women are raised to be quiet, to be ladylike, to not be aggressive, to be young, (laughs) you know, to, you know, and those are all sort of quote unquote feminine qualities. And men are raised to be breadwinners and successful. And there is a huge double standard. If you're rich and you're powerful and you're going for it as a woman, you are a bitch and you are bossy. And when you're a man, you're confident and successful. And so even though we don't believe this in our conscious minds, we women's have got uh, a bit more of an uphill battle with it because uh, we shy away from it because we're not entitled. And, you know, I may have to write an entire book on making women stop saying the phrase, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. We've got <laughs> to stop apologizing. And I... You know, and that's actually why in You Are a Badass, I did a whole chapter on allowance because, you know, the majority of my readers are women also. And the permission piece to allow yourself to get rich, we don't realize how enormous that is, but we've got this sort of like that unconscious, you know, I want to make money that we don't realize that we're speaking in lack. We don't realize that we haven't given ourselves permission to be rich because what's at stake there? Mm-hmm. You're not a real woman. You're not attractive. You're bossy. You're making men look bad. You know, we don't even realize what we've got going on underneath, but we have got to wake up to that because until we do, we are not going to let ourselves get as big and beautiful as we can be. Yes. We could have a holy talk for a whole hour on just mm-hmm. apologizing. And I am not perfect there, y'all. I'm not saying that, that I am either, but my friends and colleagues and I, we tend to call each other out on it. Just yesterday, we use, my friends and I use the Vox, the app Voxer, and it's like this messaging thing. And, and my friend had left me a 12 minute message. Luckily you can do like three times fast. And she had left this <laughs> message and then sent a text right afterwards and said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry for the long message. Go ahead and play that super fast. And I was like, no. you're sharing a story with me this is what friends do take up space and that was really and this might this particular person is like a a fuck yeah feminist and Mm -hmm. she's like thank you for saying that because we forget you know like I do too and and that's one thing I'm trying to teach both of my children yes it's the whole giving yourself permission because and that might be a good question I'm sure it's an exercise in your book but like if you did give yourself permission to become wealthy or become rich, what do you make up will happen to you? What do you make up will happen to your relationships? I know I had all kinds of stories. So Mm -hmm. I had, was it, I think it was in 20, it was in 2015. I matched my husband's income 2016. Mm. I surpassed him and Mm. I had such angst over that. And Mm -hmm. I was making up all kinds of stories. I don't know, probably for like a year before I finally like brought the topic to him because <laughs> we were sitting, we went in to go buy a car and they were asking us our yearly income and they asked him and he answered and they asked me and I answered and it was so uncomfortable because mine was more than him. And I went home that day and I was like, how do you feel about me making more money than you? And he's like, I think it's awesome. And I Rock was like, on. Oh, <laughs> because- and then you're like, I kind of don't. <laughs> Maybe deep down, like, I'm not sure how I feel because, right? Maybe it's me. Yeah. (laughs) Good for him. I felt so just like I had held on to that for months thinking that I was going to emasculate him. And he Mm -hmm. did not. It probably never even crossed his mind. He's over there like, hell yeah, babe, bring it on. And and I'm just like, oh, sorry. Right? (laughs) Sorry. Ugh. Yeah. And I also uncovered stories about, I was afraid to leave my friends behind. Sure. Yep. 
and it's not up to me. And to we change. don't even realize it. Yeah, I know. It's really, it's a, it's a freak show, but all it takes is, is busting yourself on it. And man, what time well spent. I mean, sitting down to do the work that we're talking about is so much easier than just working your ass off and hoping something changes. You know what I mean? Like step back and look at this shit. Cause it's what's, it's what's holding you back. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've read a lot, I've read a lot of self-help books, but this book is the first one that I ever did every single exercise in it. And awesome. yeah, <laughs> it just, it was, it was one of those things where, you know what I used to do with self-help books? Like if you're listening, raise your hand. If you've ever, your book isn't laid out this way, but in a lot of self-help books, they talk about the problem for like the first half or two thirds of the book. And then at the end is like the solution based and like workbooks and worksheet and stuff like that. So I would get to that part and then start reading. <laughs> mm. Well, I have to say, I very intentionally write my books and all of my coaching programs with very quick and easy exercises. Cause I, I think you lose people. I can't remember what book I was recently reading where there was like 25 exercises in every chapter. I was like, I'm not doing any of these. Yeah. So I think I have like three or four at the end of each chapter, just because I feel like quality, not quantity and just get her done. They didn't take a tremendously long time. The one that took me the longest was probably the letter to money. Right. And I love in the book, you give a lot of different examples. We give several different examples of, of excerpts from people's letters. And what was interesting to me is that how everybody's experience is different and the things that they were saying to money was different. And mm -hmm. there were things like, I'm like, I wouldn't, I don't have that experience. So I think it's important. Right. Mine, I'm still not done with it. P.S. It's five pages long so far. And <laughs> one girl, entire page is fears. Mm. An entire page. Yeah. It was kind of bananas. <laughs> yeah, it is bananas. And we don't even realize it. Like you can write five pages and you're still not done. And you know, you didn't even realize it. And we've all got it. I mean, money is so, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So good. Well, great. I'm so glad you're doing it. I probably need to sit my ass down and do it again and do it again. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, we're not, yeah. we're not done. Hmm. Well, it's a great segue. Speaking of action, like you mentioned the importance of taking inspired action around the things that we know this part, like really jumped out at me about the things that we know will help us make more money. And that for most people, they just keep learning about it and talking about it. I call that like <laughs> half-assing your personal development. Mm -hmm. In fact, you tell a story about manifesting $85,000 for coaching. So can you talk about what you think stops people from taking action? And how do they start listening to that inspired voice that they have inside of them for like that one hot second? Well, what stops us is fear, you mm -hmm. know, of everything you just said, you know, Make changing, losing people close to you, being visible, looking like an idiot, you know, all that stuff, You're losing money. And the way that you get past it is by making the decision. And really, it really is that stupid simple. But because when you make a decision, you no longer like when you get that inspired hit. And trust me, what, what I mean by inspired is terrifying, basically, mm -hmm. because it's outside of your comfort zone and it's unknown. So it's going to scare the crap out of you. And so I talk a lot in my book about use fear as a compass instead of a brick wall, because if you come up with an idea that pops into your head, that's like, I need to pay a coach $85,000 to to work with them because I know they're going to change my life instead of going to my, you know, tried and true big fat pile of excuses that I built my entire life on, on why that's completely insane and how I can't afford it. And only a moron to pay that kind of money, blah, blah, blah. Instead of immediately going to those excuses being like, all right, $85,000, I'm going to find it. 
and that is literally the moment that that little decision right in there is where everything in your life changes. So it's that choice to look at I can instead of I can't. It sounds so stupid, but it really is in that moment of decision. And when you feel the fear looking towards it instead of running away from it and hiding behind a big fat brick wall of excuses. So, you know, with all of us, it's grabbing those when those ideas come in and moving on them immediately instead of because it happens so fast, we don't even realize it all the time. We get intuitive fits. We're like, I don't know how to change my life. I don't know what to do to make more money. I can't see the way out. Meanwhile, the way out is like waving its arms in your face, screaming and yelling, but you can't even see it because you're so busy focusing on your fears and all the reasons why not and listening to your sad sack friends who are saying the economy sucks and there's no good men out there and blah, blah, blah. So when you make that decision to change your life and you go from, I want to change my life, I wish I could blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I'm rich. I love money. I am a successful entrepreneurial badass woman. And you start to focus on that. That's when you empower yourself to to hear that intuitive hit and to go for it instead of to just out of knee jerk, not see it anymore. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really is. And you said the word, you know, can versus can't. I, I often, when I hear myself saying can't, and even when I hear my kids saying it, I, I call it out too. And I say like, is it a can't or is it a won't? Like, mm-hmm. are you physically unable to do the things that might make it possible for you to do that? Or are you choosing not to? Because I think that those two words, just one little letter can make a huge mm-hmm. difference in just your perspective and just calling yourself out on your own shit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is it a Words can? are so powerful. Totally. Mm-hmm. Is it a can or a won't? Mm-hmm. And so you give so many tools in your books, but if someone could implement like one thing today, I know we've talked about words, one thing today to get them on the path to creating wealth. <laughs> See, I even, when I typed up the question, I typed wealth instead of getting, mm-hmm. let me change that. <laughs> I know rich is such a scary word. That's why I put it in all over the place. (laughs) You do, you do. So if someone could implement one thing today to get them on the path to creating riches in their life, what would it be? Scare the crap out of yourself. Do something every day that scares the crap out of you. Every day? Really? That just sounds Hell yeah. We got to listen. Death (laughs) is around the corner. What are we waiting for? Grim Reapers at the front door. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, I I always tell people, like, baby steps, baby steps. Because, like, when you said that, I kind of wanted to throw up a little bit. (laughs) Like, every day? Do you know how many things I have to do every day? (laughs) I mean, and honestly, it can be calling somebody to be on your podcast that you think is out of your league. You know, it doesn't mean you know, get on a plane and go to India. I don't know, right. but you know, it, it, it but it's gotta be scary. It's gotta bring up that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it, but I know it's going to get me in a huge different zone. Oh God. Okay. And I love in your book too, you talk, you talk about, you know, people, cause there's people listening who have, who are entrepreneurs like you and I, and then there are people who, you know, have the regular nine to five corporate job and, and you speak to both of them. So I think that that's great. And, and you guys, FYI, links are in the show notes to, to Jen's book and uh, I'll put links to both of them too. And I'll tell you a quick story. This just happened like over the weekend. And so my husband has a regular nine to five job and Since like one of our very first conversations, 
I had just started my life coach training and he was, we weren't even dating yet. We were like just friends and we just met each other and I needed someone to practice on. You know, sometimes they do that in coaching school. They're like, get a practice client. And I wanted somebody that I didn't know very well. And so he was my very first practice client. And he told me what it was like, you know, it's like super generic coaching. Like what's your big dream? And his was to, to be able to make money from his hobby, which is he's a really, really talented woodworker and, and crafter. And and so, you know, we've been together for what, like 11 years now, and he's got like this whole workshop and I have been listening to his goddamn excuses for 11 years <laughs> about why it won't really work. And he's my husband. So I don't want to like coach him at all without permission. I just think that that's kind of gross. So the other day, you know, I was actually listening to your book and, and he, he made these really amazing tractor stools that we saw on Etsy for $725 for one tractor stool. And his are just as beautiful. And so I asked him, I'm like, do you want me to push you on this? Because I can. And people pay me a lot of money to do this. So I will do it for you for free because I love you and you helped me bear children. So he thought he paused because he was scared because he knows. And he said, yes. So here's what happened. He decided to like, let me help him. And we had some really good conversations about it. And I basically called him out on his shit and his fears. And he posted on Facebook one of his tractor stools sold it within an hour to a mm. realtor for a lot of money. And we went to this really beautiful nursery and I'm looking around and I'm looking at this nursery and I'm looking at the prices and I'm like, I guarantee you like affluent people shop here. And so I, he was standing right next to it. I asked the lady and I'm like, do you take pieces of furniture on consignment? And she's like, I do. Do you make things? And I said, I don't, but this guy does. Mm. So then they started this whole conversation and she's, they worked out a deal and he gets in the car. He's like, I'm so glad that, that you asked that. Thank you so much. And I was like, this is what, this is what it is. Like, this is what you need to do is like have these like scary conversations. The worst she could have said was no. Right. Right. It's that type of stuff for all of you listening where, you know, you can listen to your own excuses for 11 years <laughs> and you should see how excited he is now. Yeah. It's so much more fun. We get into this really weird, God, this drama that it's going to be so hard and so much worse. And we're going to work ourselves to the bone and never have fun again. And it's like, hello. I mean, I got to tell you, when I was a freelance writer scraping by living in a converted garage, I worked a hell of a lot harder than I do now that I make seven figures. Let's be clear. I've heard that before. I've heard uh -huh. a lot of people that make seven figures mm -hmm. that it's actually about working less. Yeah. It's a miracle. It's <laughs> lovely. It's a miracle. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to start yeah. using the word rich more often. And well, funny enough, my very first movie star crush was Ricky Schroeder on silver spoons. And I was certain that we were going to get married. So, mm -hmm. you know, he lived in a house with a remote control door, right? See, <laughs> farther along than you thought. <laughs> that was my first money exercise. Mm. Oh my gosh. I have one more question for you before we wrap it up. And it's a question I ask a lot of, a lot of people that come on here and what surprises you about the work that you do with women? What surprises me about the work I do with women? You know, well, first of all, the, the deep, deep, deep misogyny that we all carry around with us mm -hmm. and how that comes out and is just so unconscious in myself too, for sure. And how 
powerful we are and how intuitive we are and how badass we are, you know, just really when we let ourselves be who we really are. I'm so glad I get to be a woman, by the way. Like I've been really thinking about this a lot and what a time to be a chick. Mm -hmm. What a time. And when we really support each other, including supporting ourselves and defy the misogyny and just use our powers for good, you know, even against ourselves, just this intuitive, emotional, compassionate, sort of community-based power that we've got, this nurturing power, that is like violence. Anybody can be violent. Yeah, it's easy. This is so much more powerful. And this intuition, I got to say, the intuition is our trump card. And that's why we were burned as witches back in the day. And Mm -hmm. that's what people are so terrified of. I don't think I'm really answering the question, but I, this is what excites me the most about working with women and what excites me about being a woman and what excites me about the movement that we are all part of right now as, as women who are making money and having louder voices in the world and stepping into our power. And I really want to say one of probably the most exciting thing about writing, you are a badass at making money is money is power. Like it or not, money is power. And it is unacceptable that women are making less than men and it's time. It is so time guys. So spending the time to look at your issues around money and stop apologizing and, and letting yourselves be financially gigantic, as gigantic as you want to be. Not everybody has to be a bazillionaire by the way, but you know, shedding all of the shame and doubt and fear and worry around money it is so critically important because have you heard that thing that the Dalai Lama said that the Western woman will yes. save the world? Mm-hmm. She can't do it if she's broke <laughs> and struggling for money. Okay. And apologizing so, chronically and apologizing. So this money thing isn't just about buying a fancy new car. It's about empowering women and saving the world. If any, may be so bold, but I really mm-hmm. believe that. So you know, in whatever way you can, again, like, I don't think everybody has to be rolling in it, but you do have to be making exactly the amount of money that you need to express yourself fully and to share your gifts with the world. Because we live in a society where money allows us opportunities and freedom and you need opportunities and freedom to really make an impact on your own life and that of everybody else. So go get rich ladies. It's really, really important. Yes. No. And I love, I love the way you answered the question. I think it's, it's such an important message for all of us. And I have a seven-year-old daughter and I think a lot, I, I changed a lot after she was born. Cause it wasn't just about me. It was about what kind of legacy do I want to leave behind for her? Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think that it's funny. I I interviewed a woman who is going to come on the podcast in several weeks from now, and she's a psychic medium. And Mm -hmm. she was, I told her about this thing that I can do. And she's like, Oh, you're, you're a clairvoyant. And I'm like, that's like a thing. Like I didn't, I didn't realize. And so it was like, again, sort of like that giving me permission to tap even further into it, which also, Mm. by the way, scares the shit out of me. But I, Mm I do, I think that I think now more than ever, we are rising up, you know, I think the world is afraid of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think to one of the key things, and you talk about this in the book that I've, I've recently sort of realized, and it was, it was humbling was that it's not just, I think in uncovering all the money stuff, cause I kept telling myself like, I'm fine with what we have. Like we have plenty. Why would I want mm-hmm. more? And what kind of broke open was 
oh, it's not just about me. And one of the exercises in the beginning of the book, is you say, make a list of all the awesome things that can happen in the world if you have more money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do this because personally, and I, I, I know this might not be everyone's experience. Like I want to move mountains and and it isn't just like I just thought of it one day. It's like one of those things where I feel like I was meant to move mountains and doing that ain't cheap. Right. So <laughs> might as well be rich and be able to move those mountains and be able to leave a legacy behind for my daughter and, and other women. And and I love, you know, if, if you hear nothing else, y'all, it's to give yourself the permission to take up space because mm-hmm. in order to become rich, you need to take up space. And that mm-hmm. I think can be just as scary as making a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 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 Yes. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for being here again. And everyone, please go out and buy it on audiobook, buy it in regular book, buy it for your friends, your girlfriends, and all the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here, Jen. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. It's always so fun to talk to you. Likewise. And listeners, thank you as always. I'm so grateful for you being here. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, Ask Kickers, you know what would help me out so much if you left a rating and review for this podcast. Your Kick-Ass Life podcast will always be free to you and to help me get more awesome guests and to spread the word, it helps tremendously if you leave a rating and a review. Now, they don't particularly make this super easy to do, so I'll help you out a little. If you're in iTunes and you're on your phone, when you are in the podcast app, you need to search for Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I know, even if you're subscribed, This is how you do it. So when you search for it and you see it come up, click on the cover art, then towards the top where it says reviews, click that, scroll down a tiny little bit, and then click write a review. Stitcher is a bit easier if you're on Android. The easiest way I found to do this is to type into Google stitcher.com, your kick-ass life, and voila, my podcast should pop up as the first link. Scroll down and click write a review. That's it. Thank you so very much. You have no idea how much it helps me when you do that. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.